Turn your Bibles, please, to the very first book of the Bible and the very first chapter. I can't make it get any easier than that. Genesis chapter 1. The title of the message is, Let's Begin Again. Let's begin again. I want to read out loud as you follow me. Chapter 1, verse 26 through 31. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every green tree, in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. The word Genesis is a word meaning beginning or generation. In the New Testament, especially in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1, we read the word generation, which means Genesis or beginning. Genesis is a book of many beginnings. It um, is in a very interesting book, and it's, it's appropriately the first book of the Bible as we have it here. It's the book of generations of beginnings. There, there are actually ten, if you count them, ten generations in the book of Genesis. Don't count them now. But there's ten generations noted in this book. This book, of course, is a seed plot for the entire Bible. It really is. It records for us the beginning of the universe... Human history, sin, salvation, sacrifice, the family, war, civilization, marriage, different languages, the Hebrew race, and much more. The human author, of course, is Moses, which his name means drawn out because he was drawn out as Pharaoh's daughter came and took him to her house to be his own. Moses is also the author of the other four Books of the Old Testament, the first four, first five, we call the Pentateuch, or Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He wrote them all. The purpose of his book is to explain the beginnings of man. Man has his own thoughts, doesn't he? Now, I went to public school. I heard that stuff. That's all I could do, not to laugh at the teacher. It takes more faith to believe that stuff than just say, well, God created that too. It's that simple. It really and truly does. So I would just sit there and laugh to myself. 
is to explain the beginnings of man. God gives us the account. And man's sin and God's salvation. Man's beginning, of course, was marred by sin. God put him in a perfect place with these people that believed environment. Now environment does affect you, but environment in itself, they were in a perfect place and they still sinned. Man needs to begin again, and he gets that opportunity through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is prophesied here in the book of Genesis, the very beginning. Christ is the theme of the book of Genesis. He is the creative word. He's the last Adam. He is a type of Isaac, who is a, who is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the child of promise, who pictures Christ in his miraculous birth, his willingness to die, his typical resurrection, and his taking of a bride. Jo- Joseph was made to suffer unjustly. He was a type of Christ. As Christ was made to suffer unjustly, Joseph was made to suffer unjustly, as you know his story, or may not know his story. He received the second time by his brethren, and he exalted to reign. And one day Jesus will reign. He really is in charge today, but he will reign on the earth, and he will rule with a rod of iron, and every knee will bow and confess, as we know. Psalm 8, chapter 8, verse 4 says this, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Good question. What is man that God is mindful of us? We're his creation. And thank the Lord God has a plan for man before man existed. God didn't say, oh, no, now what am I going to do? He messed this guy, made messed up. God already had the plan, just like Christ. <clears throat> the Bible says it this way. Christ was, his coming was foreordained from the foundation of the world. God already had the plan in place. Just, you know, plans have to have time to take place, don't they? Usually it'll happen the next day. And so God's plan took some time. God's time. Remember, God, him is one day is a thousand years. A thousand years to me, I can't even fathom it. God can God created us, and he loves us, and he's promised, provided for us salvation through, though we have failed him, man can begin again. People are thinking about that right now, aren't they? In general, and you and I, I'll begin a new year. Now, what am I going to do this year? Hopefully, the overriding thought is better than last year. (laughs) And to the Christian, we think spiritually better, not better at Yeah, you may need to do some other things. I won't elaborate. But better as a Christian, better serving the Lord. And so we can can begin again, and we should begin again. Your calendar from last year, guess what? You might keep it, but you don't need it. I keep all my calendars. Now, I took about 15 of them home this week. I've still got four or five in my office because it's getting stacked up too high. I keep them all. But really, I can't use them. They're gone. I even got it for, I'd have from 2000, 2001. Why'd I keep those? As your teenager would say, oh, I don't know. I kept them. Maybe I thought you could recycle them. I don't know, but at any rate, those calendars are useless, probably even to me. So notice here first, also as we think about this, man can begin again. Look at, again, in chapter 1 of Genesis. Look at verse 26 for just a moment. We did not read that. We did read that, but let's read it again. And we're talking about the creation of man. Again, this is God's account. We're talking about beginning again. 
Notice the persons of creation that God made. God said, that should be authoritative enough. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. That's not hard to understand, is it? It's pretty explainable English. So the us there in verse 26 refers to the triune God. What does that mean? Tri means three. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Don't try to explain it because it's hard. I can't even wrap my mind around it. The Bible says in 1 John 5, verse 7, there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, and it says the Word, which is Jesus, because John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. And then it says in verse 14 of chapter 1, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Do you know that verse is not found in the JW's Bible? You know why? Because they don't believe in the Trinity. So why would they have a verse in there to, to prove it? You don't have to know Greek to know what that means. These three are one. Now, I don't understand it all. I don't understand how good chocolate cake tastes. But I'm not going to stop eating it until I figure it out. Are you? I think we need some chocolate cake. <clears throat> I can eat a lot of things now. It just takes me a while. Yesterday I ate seven pieces of pizza. Now it took me an hour and a half. But boy, it sure tasted good. So I can eat a lot of things. It just takes me a while. So, so us was the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And those the plan of creation. God made also the animals after their own kind. But he made man after the image of God. So man is a, is a tripartite being. Man has body, soul, and spirit. You have that today. Body, soul, and spirit. And so we're created in the image of God. We aren't created. We're not demigods or little gods. We're created in the image of God. <clears throat> And so the purpose of, what's God's purpose of creation? God's purpose for creating man in his image was that there would be a likeness of God on the earth. Now, think about this today. Who are we supposed to be acting like? Remember in the book of Acts, the Bible says, I think it's chapter 11, they called them Christians first at Antioch, that city. Why did they call them Christians in Antioch? Because those people were acting like Jesus. And they knew, those people, Jesus was alive on the earth. They knew how he talked, how he acted. And they were acting like Jesus. They said, you know, you people are a little Christ. They were making, actually making fun of him. But they were actually giving them a compliment. So we're supposed to act like Christ. Isn't that convicting and challenging at the same time? Where you live on your street, you're supposed to represent Christ. You're supposed to live like Christ. Oh, that's hard. When your neighbor lets his dogs go in your yard. Do I need to explain that? And you don't have a dog. And I told him, I said, we don't have a dog because I don't like to clean this stuff up. Hoping she would get the message. She never did because we still had deposits. Next. (laughs) 
that we're supposed to be like Christ, that means sometimes you have to bite your tongue. And sometimes you have to do things you wouldn't normally do and act in ways you wouldn't normally act because it's not you, it's him. In the flesh, we want to do all kinds of things, but if it's him, it's different. So we're supposed to be his representative on earth, and that's one of the reasons God created men. Yes, that fellowship with him, of course. By the way, when we act like Christ, guess what? He gets the glory. Not you. Be careful if people start praising you. Make sure you point them to him. And remember, people try to butter you up all the time. They're getting ready to eat you. Think about that one. This would give God the glory. Isaiah 43, verse 7 says, I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. I have made him. That's what God says. It's certainly not God's purpose or program to be ignored or misrepresented by his creation. What kind of representative are you and me of his creation? God gets the glory out of that. How many Christians don't act like Christ? And it hurts the cause of Christ. And then somebody goes to talk to them about Christ, and they say, well, I know this guy I work with, he's a bum. And maybe the guy is a bum. It makes you really hard to talk to him about Christ when that guy doesn't do what he's. So God gets the glory out of that, plus it makes you witnessing harder. Man was created to be like his creator, but man sinned and separated himself from God. Do you know who, you know who did it to Adam? Ladies are going to love this. He did, his, his wife didn't do it to him. He did it to himself. He could have said, honey, we ain't going to do that. Because God said no. Couldn't he? Guys, you can use that. Honey, we ain't going to do that. Better make sure you have a verse for it, though. <clears throat> Adam did, because God said, don't do that. Don't eat of that tree. He could have quoted her the verse, but he took it for whatever reason. <clears throat> so Adam did it to himself, and guess what? Could I say this? Well, I'm going to say it. You do it to yourself. We're, our society, we're blaming everybody and everything, the government, your mom and dad, your childhood, all those things. They may have some factors, but you know what? You do it to yourself. I do it to myself. Adam had nobody to blame but him. That certainly didn't bring God in glory. Notice the condemnation of man. <clears throat> Turn over to just a page to chapter 3. We're talking about starting over again. Look at the deception of Satan in chapter 3 in the first couple verses. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Question. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it. Now, this next part, I think she's lying. Neither shall you touch it. I don't think God said that. She added that. And the serpent said unto the woman, Yea, or ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, meaning enlightened, not just physically see, and ye shall be as gods. Knowing good and evil. Through the deception of Satan, that's where men became condemned. 
Rest assured that Satan will always do his best to deceive you so that you will not see the need to obey the Lord. And unfortunately, he's successful with many Christian people. Don't listen to him, as Nancy Reagan said about drugs. Just say no. All of us know the word no. Remember when you were first born? One of the first words you said was not mommy, daddy, was no. We know that word no. We don't use it enough. Or the kids singing in your church, get thee behind me, Satan. Sing that little song. They obviously didn't do that. God will, the Satan, excuse me, Satan will also try to convince you that God really doesn't mean what he says. That's what he did here, didn't he? Oh, God didn't really mean that. I know that's the words he said, but he didn't really mean that. He'll try to tell you that. Oh, the Bible really doesn't mean that. Yes, it does. That's why there's such a controversy about which Bible, because the new ones don't, don't contain many of the things that the old King James has. That's a whole other sermon. But the point is, God means what he says and says what he means. God said, don't you eat of that. Not hard to understand. Don't do it. Just like you said, Junior, don't get any cookies out of the cookie jar. The more of that story is don't put any cookies in there or put sugar-free cookies. He'll never eat one again. There's nothing worse than a sugar-free cookie. Somehow that's perverted. It's kind of like eating Hershey Bar and drinking a Diet Coke. They don't go together. Satan will also try to convince you and me, as he did Adam and Eve, that God is not fair with you. And if you're not careful, you start listening. Oh, yeah, that's right. How come everybody else is doing so good? I'm having such a hard time. God's not fair with me. God's blessing this person and this person and this thing and that thing, but he's not blessing me. How do you know he's not blessing you? Maybe you should sit down and catch your blessings. Are you breathing? Would you rather be six foot under? I mean, you can go through all these different things and so... But, but Satan will say, you know, God's not fair with you. Isn't that, in essence, wasn't that what he was doing to Eve? God's not being fair with you guys. And she's listening. She's talking, communicating, instead of talk to the hand. Remember that one? Talk to the hand. I'm not talking to you. I'm not listening to you. No, we laugh about that. But you know what? That's a good thing to do. Next time he starts whispering in your ear, don't listen. Don't say, could you speak a little louder? Say, no. Get lost. You ever read that verse in the Bible? Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Oh, is that true or not? You know why he doesn't flee from me and you? This is real deep. Because we don't resist. Isn't the Bible hard to understand? It's so hard to understand, it blows my mind. I'm being smart, Alec. You resist him, he'll flee from you. If you don't resist him, he won't flee from you. The Lord Jesus was tempted by Satan, wasn't he? What did he do? He resisted him. He resisted him with the word of God. And guess what? He fled. And by the way, he does not flee forever and ever. I wish he would. He'll flee for a time, but he comes back. He is unlike modern Christians. He doesn't give up. I heard a preacher say this. On TV, so it must be true. 
I'm not sure I should repeat all his words. They weren't bad words, but he, he has a church in another state way away from here, but he was talking about people getting offended at something the preacher said or something somebody else said to them at church. And he said, he said, well, if some fat lady in section one who had a red hat told you something ugly, said, I'm quitting the church. He basically said, what's wrong with you? If that's going to make you quit the church, then how strong Christian are you? Are you serving God? Are you serving, I mean, Satan, he will, he, will, he will get you thinking all kinds of stuff. Are, let me ask you a question. Are you serving God? You, don't serve me because I'm a human being. And I will say something you won't like. And I will do something you don't agree with. Maybe you don't know all the facts. You have to trust your pastor to a certain extent. If he's earned your respect and your trust, you have to trust him to some level. Now, I know some preachers take advantage of that. I understand that. And that's wrong. But the average pastor's not like that. And so, anyway, Satan, who desires of a man? Look at verse 6, chapter 3. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. The desires of a man, you know, all of us like to eat. I do too. We all do. And I do get hungry, and I do eat, and I am gaining weight. I've got to watch it. The point is, we see something with our eyes, we go, ooh, that looks good. Why do you think these people in advertising, they're not stupid. It's called marketing in 2021. They try to reach a certain people with a certain need, and they know what people want. They know what your kids, teenagers want. They know what to put in front of them to lure them. So say, Mommy, they got to have these tennis shoes even though they cost 200 bucks. Now I see three or four parents laughing. You know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Maybe they're not that much, but they're not $10 anymore at Kmart. The desire of a man, what you see, oh, I got to have that. Really? I got to do this. I got to do this. That's what Satan does. That's what he did here. It looked good. It looked like it's good to eat. I'm going to eat this. And in doing that, one small act, she disobeyed God. Some people would say, what's the big deal since she ate this? By the way, the Bible doesn't say it was an apple. I don't know who started that one. You can't prove it from the Bible. It doesn't say. But the world says, isn't it funny? The world, they know the Bible stories to an extent. Eve ate an apple. Well, she ate some fruit. By that one little thing, I mean, eating an apple, is that a simple thing? I don't think eating an apple is bad, but God told him not to. Even though it wasn't an apple, don't eat that fruit. It's not wrong to eat fruit. Actually, it may help you if you eat some. <laughs> Next. <clears throat> but for Eve, she disobeyed God. She heard when God told Adam and her, don't do this. By the way, did you read that verse in James that says, Therefore... To him that knoweth to do good, do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. It's not a sin for you to eat an apple. Because God didn't tell you or eat a piece of fruit, I should say more correctly. It was a sin to her and Adam. Follow me? They knew it was not good. They knew it was against God's word. They did it anyway. I wonder if when they took that first bite, if they 
after they swallowed the first piece, they thought, uh-oh. Maybe we can have reverse peristalsis. That's a nice way of saying throw up. But you know what? It's too late. Their action, it wasn't the apple. It was their action of disobedience. Same as you as me. <clears throat> and so the desires of a man, sin is always condemned by God. Do also notice the deliberate sin of man. Eve took and ate and gave to her husband. I often wonder, did she say anything to him? The Bible doesn't say. I kind of think, and I'm reading between the lines, I think she said, oh, honey. I think she took a little bite and said, oh, this is really good. I don't know what, it, what it's called, but it is really good. How about having some of this? Oh, okay. Maybe he would have shut her up. I don't know. Maybe he wanted to appease her. Maybe he wasn't thinking. I don't know, but the old boy took it, and the Bible says they ate. And then we read the verse in Romans 5.12 that says this, sums it up, Wherefore, as by one man, now notice he said to the woman, and the woman took it first, but the Bible says, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all sin. Romans 5.12. Interesting. So we are all born sinners and we sin because we are sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. We're already condemned already if we do not believe John 3.18. Notice also the conversion of men quickly. In Genesis, we see the awful effect of one little sin. Now, we say white lies and black lies. What's the difference? A lie is a lie. What's well, this a little one? Little ones lead to big ones, by the way. So it wasn't just a little sin, a little action of what they did. It was directly against God's word to them. What happened? The serpent was cursed. God said, you're going to go in your belly and eat dust. Doesn't sound appetizing to me. The woman also was cursed. You're going to have pain in childbearing. Girls, I'm better than you than me. Because, remember, he created male and female. Boys do not have babies. I'm sorry some people are so... I'm trying to think of the right word and a very succinct word. They, they have the wrong idea. God created male and female. Boys don't have babies. Oh, they're involved. <clears throat> but it's the woman that has them. So the woman was cursed. When you have that pain, thank Eve. Adam was also cursed. God said, you know what, buddy? Now you're going to work by the sweat of your brow and you have a nice day. Go back and read it. So he was cursed. But in the midst of all that condemnation, there's God's gracious provision. You remember the Bible says they were naked. They didn't even, weren't aware of it. Now, if, I'm glad you came to church with clothes on tonight because if we were all naked, we would be aware of it. And it probably would not be a good thing. So thank you, I appreciate it. But they didn't. Why didn't they? Because they hadn't sinned. They didn't know. Your little baby, when they're, they're not born with clothes, are they? They don't know. <clears throat> and so God provided for them an animal so they could clothe themselves. I've often wondered, what, what did that look like? Probably not so good, but it, it, it did the job. 
But someone may ask, why, why we need to be converted? It's because of sin's far-reaching results. Man's understanding is darkened. Look in verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened. Not their physical eyes, because they saw the fruit. It was good to look at. But their spiritual understanding and their mind, intellect spiritually. And they knew they were naked at that point. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. God provided for them and they were able to do this. Their understanding was darkened. Man's flesh and his spirit are defiled. Paul said that the flesh was weak. And he also said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Isn't that the truth? And he said, in another place, he said it this way. The things that I would not, I do. Can you relate to that? And the things that I would do, I don't do. And I paraphrase that a little bit. It's the same thing. Sin has defiled the material and immaterial parts of man. We must have supernatural help to win the victory. That's where Christ comes in. Notice the consecration of man. Once a person's sin is covered by the blood of Christ, he is then to be Christ-like. Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Remember when you got saved? You were different. All your hair didn't change color. Probably not. You probably didn't lose any weight. You probably lived in the same house, had the same car. You were new from in here. If any be in Christ, he is a new creature. I'm often puzzled by these people who say, well, I got saved, but I haven't changed. That's not what the Bible says. Now, some people take longer to change than others. We understand that. Depends on a bunch of things. But you are a new man in Christ, and you're different from the inside. Your thinking is different. And you, you begin to think Christians aren't so bad after all. And those people outside of Christ, there's the ones, they're, they're the ones that are in great need. And you were one of them. <clears throat> God drove Adam and Eve from the garden. It was a punishment and an act of mercy, lest they should eat of the tree of life and live forever in a state of death and alienation. Now they could be reconciled to God as we can by the shed blood of Christ. Because of his sacrifice, we should sacrifice ourselves to God's service. Remember that verse in Romans chapter 12 where Paul said to the Romans in chapter 12 and verse 1. Let me read it to you exactly. It says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, meaning safe people, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. Oh, I think I better read that one again. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that she may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice in Genesis 3, look down to verse 15. Here is the first prophecy. How's Jesus in Genesis? Here is 3.15. Chapter 3, verse 15. You can use this when you talk to people. And I will put enmity, enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. God is, is talking, look at verse 14, he's talking to the serpent. Okay? If Adam and Eve can talk to the serpent, God can talk to them since he created them. By the way, don't talk to snakes, they're dangerous. That's the moral of the story. 
It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel, verse 15. So that's the first prophecy about Jesus Christ, right there in Genesis 3, 15. God has it in writing for us. So, of course, when the fullness of time was come, then Christ came. God expects us to live for him. I think he expected Adam and Eve to do that. And I think to a point they did. But somehow they got off the path a little bit. And so they got themselves, and sometimes we get off the path. Our intentions are good. We may start out last year doing good, and somewhere along the way we got messed up a little bit. Now, in their case, they got messed up big time. Remember, they were living in a perfect place, a sinless place. They weren't sinners. We don't live in a place like that. How well we know. We live in a sinful place, and we are sinful people. That makes it just a little bit harder. But yet God expects us to live for him with his power, with his grace, with his help. God has created man and revealed to him his will. He did to Adam and Eve, he did to you and me. God will hold every person responsible for everything he has done. But even though we fail God and fall, he is still gracious and merciful to forgive us if we repent and, and to start again. So the new year is a good time to do that. Now, God, you'll have to go through your own life. I, what I did last year, I wish I wouldn't, wouldn't have done that. God, forgive me. Really, you should have done it before now. It's better to confess and get it right when it happens right away instead of waiting. Because then you say, well, God, forgive me all my sins. That's a rinky-dink prayer. Sorry, but it is. That's like saying, God, bless all the missionaries. Doesn't that sound spiritual? How about calling them by name and saying, God, this person needs this person needs an operation. Uh, as Brother Pastor Rice mentioned, the Skeen's child, Jack, was our missionaries to Russia. The child was born a, a, less than a year ago, I think, right? And he had to have surgery. And so, as I understand, I'm not a doctor, he had some kind of springs put in his neck or something, and they're going to take these springs out, and then if he heals up, they're going back to Russia. Now, I wouldn't be better to pray for them by name that need and say, God bless all the missionaries. So we need to think for a minute. People can begin again by receiving Christ as Savior. You know what people need in America? The government to stop spending too much money. That we don't have. You know, we need honest politicians. By the way, hold your breath on all these. We need this, we need that, and all those things are true. But you know what the greatest need is? Christ. He's the one that can save people. He's the one that can make them a new person from within. He's the one, he's the answer. And yet he's been put down all the time, isn't he? All that, I heard, a, I was so, I don't have high blood pressure. I was watching something on TV and some commentator, and he was belittling the new Supreme Court justice by throwing the word Bible. I don't know if you saw it or not. He was making fun of her, and he was a young guy. I wanted to reach the TV and smack him. It was this Amy Coney Bible, whatever her last name is. And he actually said Bible. I said, oh, that guy's against the Bible. Ring-a-ding-ding. And he was a young man. It made me real mad. I'm thinking, he doesn't like the Bible? That's the answer to our country. It's not the new Supreme Court justice. It's not the new president. 
whoever ends up being. <laughs> By the way, the one man, Mr. Biden, you know what he has said? He has said, among many things, that he wants all public schools, this to be mandatory, that boys go in the girls' bathroom. Now, ladies and gentlemen, my first question is, why? Secondly, our nation's falling apart. Do you worry about boys going in the girls' bathroom in public schools? What are you, nut? We got so many more problems. It's a breakdown of the home and family, and that's, a, I can't help but say it, but it makes, man, that, that makes me mad too. My blood pressure just went up. <laughs> Thinking, how idiotic. Male and female created him. Did you know there's a difference between boys and girls? Now, in all fairness to him, he's been married before, and he's married to a wife now. He's had children. He knows what it's all about. He didn't have children by himself. Next. That's got nothing to do with the message. Well, yes, it does. The answer is Christ in the Bible. This guy wants, is making fun of the Bible. This guy doesn't want to obey the Bible. Sorry, that's the facts. That's what he said. He, also, he has some other crazy ideas, too, but anyway... <clears throat> That's not to say everybody's perfect. The other guy's not a saint either, but anyway. I like, I saw a sticker in somebody's Bible. It said, back to the Bible or into the jungle. Isn't that pretty succinct? That's about where we're at, in the jungle. Not, we need to go back to the Bible, back to God's Word, back to the beginning that's where the answer is. And so we think of the new year coming up. How'd you do in 2020? People say, oh, it was a terrible year. Well, in many ways it's hard, sure. How are you going to do in 2021? Are you going to let 2020 affect 2001? It's a different year. Turn the calendar, turn the page, start over. Begin again. And even as a Christian, you only begin again with Christ. He's the one who can forgive you of last year's sins, failures, shortcomings. Start over afresh. Start over again. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment. Father, speak to our hearts tonight and challenge us through your word. As we think of the story of Adam and Eve, we think of the truth of your word. May it relate to our hearts even today in 2021. We do pray for our nation, for our leaders, that they might follow you and your word. All of them. We pray the Bible and Jesus Christ to be lifted up, not put down. Help us to do our part to lift him up by the way we live. That people would see Christ and want him. They would give him the gospel and they would be saved. Lord, we can't control what everybody else does. We can control what we do. Adam and Eve could not control. They, they could control themselves. They chose at this point to make this mistake. And we might have done the same thing. Help us to learn from them. Help us to begin again this year new and fresh with you. Speak to every heart. Speak to one that maybe needs Christ as Savior, that they would begin their life truly, totally anew and afresh by receiving him as Savior. We pray in Jesus' name. As the pianist plays, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed for just a moment. <laughs> maybe the Christian, maybe it's something you need to kind of commit yourself to that you've been thinking about. <laughs> last few days for the new year. Maybe you need to come to the altar, pray about it. Maybe you need to pray about it in your seat. Make that commitment. 
and then follow through on it. Write down your prayer list. Pray about it every day that God would help you do that, whatever it is. Wait, wait, just a minute. Live for him that died for me. How happy then my life will be. That's the words of that song. It's true. Your life will be much happier living for him. Just for a moment.